Hello and welcome to Propnex, the property podcast about all things related to the future of real estate. I'm delighted that you've joined me today. My name is Gavin Morgan, your host. If you'd like to know a little bit more about me, please check out www.propnex.com. That's P-R-O-P-N-X.com. Or drop me a line if you'd like to chat privately on Gavin R. Morgan at propnex.com. That's G-A-V-I-N-R-M-O-R-G-A-N at propnex.com. Craig Dechekis, uh, welcome to the show and thank you very much for joining us uh, today on Propnex. Just Thanks a little for bit having of, me. Uh, hey, totally welcome. And uh, I mean, Craig, just uh, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself to our listeners, please. But I mean, obviously, just a little bit from me first. I mean, obviously, I've been delighted to know you since I think we first got together in 2015 in New York um around various different issues that we were working with at that time and um you certainly have enjoyed all of our conversations about uh residential in manhattan uh, which really was the core of our discussions back then i mean right through to the many conversations that we've had about the suburban um residential market in and around new york and i'm really excited uh, to talk to you about that today um, but before we get into that craig maybe just a few words from you on you so uh, and make them good Great. Well, well, thanks again for having me. It's, uh, it's exciting to be able to, uh, to catch up with you. Um, when you said 2015, time really flies by. It's amazing. Uh, it's amazing how that happens. Um, so yeah, a, a little bit about me. Um, I'm a residential real estate broker uh, in the New York City area, um, really specializing in the, the luxury segment of, of, of the market in Manhattan, Brooklyn, and also in Westchester County, which which you referenced, which is the suburb just to the north of, of New York City. Um, but before that, and for the, the significant majority of my career, um, 15 plus years, uh, was spent in the residential development business uh, in New York City, uh, specifically consulting on new residential condominium projects in the luxury segment. So working with top developers, financial institutions, architects in helping them design, market, and, and sell their, um, their residential projects. About two years ago, um, I pivoted in, in my career and, and went off on my own in the brokerage world. I saw a niche um, that I could provide to my clients and, and my network, which is really being an insider in the business and being able to leverage my relationships knowledge, expertise, uh, and provide that service to to clients. I mean, who wouldn't want an insider representing them? for um, full-time and part-time homes outside of the city. So it was serendipitous. That's how it happened. I, I live here. I grew up here, so I know the market really well. And now I've expanded my business here, um, individual homes, investment opportunities, and, and also I'm now looking at some development projects, which is really exciting. Certainly sounds like a lot, Craig. And um, I mean, I'm excited to get into some specifics with you in this market. But just before we crack on, uh, there will be a lot of listeners who aren't 100% familiar with suburban New York. 
And very quickly, Craig, just define suburban New York, particularly the area that we're going to talk about today, please. Of course. So suburban New York City is really defined here locally as the tri-state area. So New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, and then the counties that are kind of circling New York City. Um, where I live is Westchester County, which is just to the north of, of New York City. We have some of the best um, train transportation that, that gets you into Manhattan into Grand Central Station, which is a real driver why people live here, in addition to amazing public school system, uh, which is another real driver why, why you know, the market here is strong and, and people really gravitate towards it. Um, that's the market that I know the best, but you know, there's Fairfield County, and then if you go into Long Island and, and New Jersey, there's, you know, similar similar places as well. Yeah, thank you, Craig. And, you know, I referenced our conversations about this market specifically over the last couple of years, and it seemed incredibly exciting to me. Um, very stable, seems to have been stable for a long time, uh, has seen a huge surge in interest, uh, predominantly because of what's happened, unfortunately, with COVID over the last two or three years, but seems to be hanging on to that interest and there you know, seems to be sustained demand there uh, from that up, up pick. Um, could you just talk a little bit about you know, who was looking, uh, stroke living uh, in that type of location pre-COVID, what you're seeing now and how you see that moving forward? It seems that the dynamic has changed a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think COVID was certainly the headline generating event as, as far as why people left cities and, and went to suburbs. But I think it's more nuanced than that, especially in a place like Westchester County, where it's always had a demand. Some things that I mentioned are the school system. There's actually um, corporate headquarters, global headquarters of, of major companies here, IBM, Pepsi, uh, et cetera. Um, so there's a strong and talented workforce here, a biotech industry. So that's always created the, the demand in, in Westchester. COVID, I think, pushed people over the edge that were maybe thinking about suburban living. Um, but I, you probably have to go back even further than, than COVID. And maybe we'll talk about it in terms of, you know, as, as our conversation goes on here. But coming out of like 08, 09, the financial crisis, and then the recovery uh, inventory, housing inventory has just been down. Um, so there's just been a, a, a sort of a steady demand building up um, for the last, you know, almost 10 years or so. COVID really pushed things over the edge and which, which is really where you saw a surge in pricing. Uh, but demand is, is still strong today, even with, with mortgage rates ticking up. Yeah, just such an interesting market. And I mean, obviously, I'm not a local. I'm obviously never given away by the accent either. But it just seems like such a great proposition to someone like me, so close to the center of Manhattan. But the, you know, the type of lifestyle you've got there, it's just seems fantastic. Um, pricing, Craig, um, I mean, lots of questions about pricing all around world markets uh, at the moment because of what's happening with interest rates and the expectation that that behavior, certainly in terms of rates lifting, uh, is going to continue for the foreseeable future. Uh, there have been some small fortunes made in the suburban markets around New York over the last two or three years. How do you see that holding up um, with the types of headwinds that are being predicted over the next six to nine months? Yeah, that's a great question. And you probably have to look a little bit more broad, you know, than, than just single family homes in, in the suburban market. I think what, what we've seen is a lot of larger development companies come into some of the bigger cities within the county 
and have developed large scale, large format, multifamily rental apartment buildings that are amenitized that had not really existed, certainly to the scale that uh, it does now. And so I think that's where a lot, a lot of fortunes have been made. Um, I hear from my development contacts that their portfolio in, in Westchester County performs the best um, out of out of anything in their portfolio, New York City included. And you know when they factor in things like land price and, and the rents that they're getting, so that has performed really well for them. And I think with an inventory shortage, it'll continue to. I think that um, people that are priced out of the market will have to kind of continue to rent. And it'll it'll that should keep you know rents rents favorable for large format landlords. I think um, you know then if you if you dive into the single family home market, the luxury segment will probably get dinged a little bit more, I would think, because prices got pushed up maybe in a, in, a, in a speculative fashion as everyone kind of made a lot of money and was able to sort of chase the market up. Um, but for the, the the bread and butter, single family home, first time home buyer middle of the market. Yeah, there will, there will probably be some pricing pressure due to interest rates, but there is such an inventory shortage. So if you were a buyer that was going out and looking for a house and at that open house, maybe the first one, there's 15 other people. Um, so you're one of 15 people looking for a handful of houses that were on the market in a particular neighborhood. Chances are you lost out on it and you lost out on it repeatedly. And now that you know, prices are perhaps taking down a little bit because interest rates are creeping up. There's still that buyer demand. Um, so I think those some of those folks are are still stepping into the market now. Prices, you know, perhaps are ticking down a little bit, but there are still transactions happening. Um, you know, even with in, in in the low inventory you know, sort of environment. I think Craig, that's really interesting. Two or three things I want to pick out of what you said there. I mean, a sustained demand uh, sounds like you're expecting demand to remain strong for the reasons that you've just mentioned but a couple of structural shifts in demand for those types of markets as well particularly with some of the bigger sort of uh, pan-national platforms yeah coming into multifamily and single and uh, aggregating uh, single family homes into investment vehicles as well. And so good experiences across those groups will likely keep them in that area. And, you know, it really all sounds like it bodes well uh, for that location as an investment, as a home, or just as a straight out investment as well. Yeah, sure. So you, you, you've seen probably big headlines of large financial companies, and this is all due to the subprime mortgage crisis, right? Where, where people were foreclosed on and after the 08, 09, and big private equity firms kind of came in and were scooping up homes in, um, not really around here, but in places, California, Texas, um, where there was a ton of inventory, a ton of foreclosure, a ton of sort of predatory lending happening, if you will. And they scooped up houses 50 cents in the dollar and built businesses and now public companies, single family rental uh, businesses. I don't think that opportunity exists in Westchester County for a large private equity firm or public company. There's just not enough inventory here. But for um, a small investor or a medium-sized investor, that opportunity certainly exists here because there are a lot of emerging areas within the county, emerging neighborhoods within great towns within the county, um, housing stock that was maybe built in the 1950s or 1960s that's rather small and outdated that needs work. For, um, great opportunity for investors to come, come in and, and fix them up, 
and take advantage of, of the demand that's here and rent those properties out and sort of ride the wave of, of capital appreciation over time in a really stable market. It's not speculative. I mean, mm-hmm. it is very stable in terms of price. It'll fluctuate as the market does, yeah. but, but really not dramatically. So a lot of value add opportunity in, in those types of neighborhoods for um, smaller scale investors. Yeah. Now, Craig, I promised no investigative journalism, nor requirement to disclose state secrets, but any locations or little hotspots? I mean, you've mentioned locations without being specific. I mean, you may not want to be specific, but are there pockets, <laughs> pockets that you would say are ones to watch for the, for the coming couple of years for people eager to invest? I would say, um, I think one of the first things that I mentioned when talking about Westchester County is the great access to the train system that takes you into New York City. So I would simply look at a map and look at the the train stops and the train lines um, that that filter into the county and anything within walking distance to the train station and to those town centers. um, Those are the areas to focus on. And then the housing stock, like I mentioned, that maybe these are, you know, 1800 square foot homes, three bedroom homes, two bathrooms um, that need work. So there's a lot of opportunity. I mean, it doesn't really make sense to pick pick and choose based on uh, one town or another. I think it exists all over the place. And, and you're starting to see it even with maybe medium scale uh, developers coming in and, and building um, medium sized multifamily homes around around those locations as well. So you can kind of follow the follow the trail to see where to see where the activity is. But it's robust and it's happening, you know, really countywide. Yeah. Yeah. Now, look, it makes perfect sense. I mean, the, the lovely combination of development land and good infrastructure is, is always a winning formula. Craig, something else that we've talked on in sort of conversations outside of this podcast is the um, the ability to get labor um, and also the ability to get materials at a cost that justifies renovation and redevelopment work. Uh, again, you and I have talked about that, and there are looks like there are ups and downs ahead in that space too. But a more favorable environment generally ahead in terms of being able to refurb and redevelop and regenerate. You think, or um, that space still hampered by the issues around supply and particularly limited supply of labor, materials, and increased demand moving forward. How do you see it? Yeah, sure. I mean, hopefully for all of us, some of those pressures are, are softening. I mean, everyone is, is feeling, you know, the inflation, the, the, I mean, the headlines drive it. We all feel it in our pockets with everything probably that we're trying to buy and do. Um, but certainly, you know, maybe like a year, year and a half ago, when COVID was really in, in the throes and, and the market was red hot, and you had things like lumber doubling and tripling in price and, and raw materials, I mean, that pushed the budgets of home renovation projects through the roof. Um, that work still continued because people were flush with cash and, and they just did it. Now we're starting to see um, those things really roll over. I think the trades um, are still very busy because there's this sort of like a whole tale of a backlog of things that that they were working on. Um, and, you know, and I don't necessarily know if it, if it slows down or how much it does because as interest rates push up, if you're looking to, if you're currently in a house and you need more space and you have a great mortgage rate because you refinanced a couple of years ago, or are you going to swap out to something new and reset your interest rate and double it? You're probably not. So you're, you're going to perhaps look for, you know, a renovation or expanding your house. So 
I don't necessarily see it falling off a cliff. Um, I think it has softened to the point where it's probably starting to become more affordable to do it, but, you know, also balanced out with, with increased borrowing costs. So, um, you know, you really have to evaluate a project, as you know, uh, on a case-by-case basis. Yes, indeed, indeed. Um, but, um, yeah, love, well, well, sounds, uh, yeah, it does sound a little bit more optimistic in that front ahead too. So really, I mean, Craig, for me, quite a rosy picture ahead in the suburbs. Um, you know, the quality of life, uh, the picture that you've painted, um, you know, about pricing and the ability to do work. I mean, it really does sound quite positive. Before we sign off, um, are there any particular things? I mean, we've talked about some locations. Any particular messages or things to watch for that sort of you would suggest that anybody listening, looking at that market should keep in mind? Uh, thinking of entering that market? Well, I think anytime you're entering a new market, make sure you're, you're working with, with an expert that really knows what they're doing, um, that, that knows the location really well and, and what the opportunities are and, and a real trustworthy person to be able to help you navigate it. Um, but I think what I would say is the headlines are out there all across the news of, of suburban markets, perhaps um, seeing prices get cut and, and activity slow down. And I don't think that's the case all over the place. That's certainly not um, what, what we're seeing here in, in Westchester County um, in the suburban market. There might be pockets where that's happening, but it's not across the board. And I think great real estate, um, it's hard to time the market perfectly. So buying great real estate over time, you know, will, will do well. And I think a county, you know, in an area like Westchester, um, is, is again, insulated from a lot of other macro kind of economic problems. Um, so my, my tip is, and where I really see the opportunity is where, where our, our conversation centered around are in these emerging neighborhoods with, with older housing stock and kind of take advantage of, of the lack of inventory and lack of developable land. And, you know, I think for more sophisticated people to enter the market, um, can really do quite well because the competition here is is more sort of local, um, you know, home builders and, and stuff like that. So, it, you know, a group can kind of get organized and and go after it a little bit harder. Um, I think there's a, a great opportunity ahead for, for folks like that. Yeah, that sounds... Uh, thank you, Craig. Um, uh, just before, um, before we sign off, Manhattan, uh, I know you've got an enormous amount of experience and considerable expertise, particularly in the new development space uh, in Manhattan. Again, it sounds like that's coming back quite quickly. Um, is that the case? Um, and how does that play out on the longer term compared with this increased demand for the suburbs? Do you think both market segments just continue to power ahead or do you, or is there any trade-off based on what we've seen historically? Um, so I think in, in Manhattan, um, it had its busiest two years probably ever in the last couple of years during COVID, which is kind of counterintuitive um, to the headlines of people fleeing the cities and going to the suburbs and fleeing New York and moving to Florida and Texas. Uh, the market was, was on fire in terms of an absorption standpoint. Um, from a price standpoint, it did, it did well. And, and prices uh, were kind of reset during COVID because developers had to incentivize buyers to come into the market and buy during a, in the middle of the pandemic, sometimes sight unseen. That happened. Prices pushed up, and you know we're we're seeing the market begin to normalize now. Um, so activity is is sort of um, pre-COVID levels, which I think is more of a healthy market. 
but projects were delayed or, or canceled during COVID. So inventory, as it gets absorbed, um, perhaps we'll put a bit of a supply pressure um, on the market as, as we look going forward. But it's it's dynamic. I mean, there's the top, top of the market, you know, trades over $10 million will probably slow down a little bit. They have. They probably will a little bit more. Um, but that, you know, middle market and first-time home buyer segment, I mean, there there was, again, a lot of people that, that weren't able to enter during COVID. And I think that'll kind of continue to be strong. And you'll see buyers push from Manhattan. They'll continue to push into Brooklyn, where there's a lot of opportunity, a lot of value to be had, prices there. Um, you know, probably outperformed Manhattan in terms of in term on a percentage basis. Um, so I'm I'm very bullish on on Brooklyn. I kind of view it. Um, you know, it's no longer a, a discount option. It's a it's a preference of, of people. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on as as projects there unfold and, and continue to do really well. Um, and you know, the yeah, on the top top of the market, the suburbs really don't impact things. I think the impact in the suburban market to to the city market are either kind of second home or weekend home buyers uh, or families that have just decided that you know they like it, they want more space, and and they don't have to go into the office full time, so they're they've settled in, into the suburbs. But New York City is New York City. Um, you know, it's it, it has and, and always will continue to uh, be a global leader in, in the real estate world. There's companies continuing to to make big investments there. Um, you know, build new headquarters. The tech industry is, has invested hard there. Uh, so I don't necessarily see demand slowing. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm bullish on, on Manhattan long term. Yeah, thanks, Craig. And I mean, that's, uh, I mean, just picking up on what you said about the higher end luxury stuff there as well. I mean, that is a global story not just a New York story. And that really, it's interesting. That's really been the story now in luxury, uh, residential and big cities, I would say for the last five, six, seven years. Demand has just thinned at that very, very top end of the market where there really was quite a surge and a lot of inventory created to meet that demand. But it just hasn't come back as it was before. And it, it looks like it's set to stay in that situation for a while, New York too. But... To end on an appropriately cheesy line, um, Craig, I mean, it's been extremely interesting uh, speaking uh, with you about all of this. Um, and it certainly seems like it's time to take another bite out of the Big Apple uh, from a real estate point of view. Uh, Craig Dechekis, uh, thank you very much uh, for joining us on Propnix today and hope to have you back on at some point in the future on a related topic. Thanks again. Great. Thanks for having me. So that's a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank you very much for tuning in to listen today and hope to welcome you back to hear some of our future shows. As I mentioned earlier, if you'd like to learn a little bit more about me, look at www.propnex.com. That's P-R-O-P-N-X.com. Or drop me a line on Gavin R. Morgan at propnex.com. That's G-A-V-I-N-R-M-O-R-G-A-N at propnex.com. I hope to hear from you soon. And thank you very much again for tuning in today. All the very best.